Hello and welcome to Little Pine Tree Studio Productions. I am your host, Dodie Perditas, and this is episode one of series two. In our first series, The Mysteries of Creativity Explored, we delved into the creative process generated by our guests to bring their particular vision to life, creating something of value to share with their profession, clients, and audience. As we move forward in 2024, we want to gain a better understanding of what tools and ideas will be essential for us to implement in 2024. As we see already a changing job market and an aggressive artificial intelligence industry exploding on the scene, we hope that our discussion today will stimulate your curiosity as we begin this exciting journey. Now let me introduce to you this eclectic group of six interesting dynamic individuals who represent different ages, stages, and life situations. The first three, Alex Perditas, Paul Clark, and Linda Dawn Thompson, are the original guests from Series 1. Our three new guests, Nick Brown, Liam Perditas, and Luke Brown, represent the younger generations, those finding themselves in situations where technology, form, structure, content, and design naturally coalesce. Next, I will ask everyone to introduce themselves and give their contact information if they wish. So I will start with you, Alex. Um, hi, my name is Alex Perditas. I'm a professional wildlife and portrait photographer and photography educator based out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. You can find me on Instagram at Alex underscore Perditas or on my website, alexperditasphoto.com. Well, Hi, my name is Paul. I'm an online fitness trainer and instructor. The name of my um, my company and my group is called Personal Stride Fitness. Focused primarily on older adults, people 50 and over, even 45 and over. Um, you can reach me at paulanvil at yahoo.ca. Thank you very much. Um, my name is Linda Dawn Thompson. I am a retired family doctor. Um, and uh, I have uh, recently published one children's book and another is in publication presently. And you can reach me at um, my website, lindadawnbrown.com. Thank you, Linda. Nick? Hi, I'm uh, Nick Brown. I uh, graduated from Queen's University a year and a half ago. And since then, I've been working as an environmental uh, specialist or technician for a consulting firm. Um, if you need to reach me, it is uh, nickbrown1141 at protonmail.com. Thank you, Nick. Liam. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, my name is <laughs> Liam Pritius, and I actually did one um, with my brother before as well. So I just finished engineering school at the University of Ottawa uh, this past fall, and I'm currently working as a software engineer at a small startup. Um, if anyone wants to get in contact with me, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn um, just by searching my name, Liam Perditas, or by going to uh, www.linkedin.com slash in slash Liam Perditas zero zero. Thank you. And Luke. Yeah. Uh, so my name is Luke Brown. I'm a civil engineering student. at. If you would like to contact me, you can just contact Luke George Brown at gmail.com. I'll be the best way. Yeah. 
And I think for now, we will just move right in to the questions. So I'm going to go back to Alex. And I would just ask him, could you elaborate on what you do in more depth? Yeah, sure. I think for me, it's the answer is going to be a little simpler than everyone else. Um, <laughs> I take pictures of animals and people, and I do that for work. Um, and I teach other photographers how to create stunning images. Uh, that's pretty much it. There's not much else to that. Yes. Um, mine is pretty simple, Alex. I'm an online um, trainer, fitness instructor. As I mentioned before, the group name of the company is Personal Stride Fitness, and the individuals that primarily attend the program is anywhere in 40s, 50s, 60s, and over. So my focus is primarily providing programs for that age group and trying to group as healthy as possible. Thank you, Paul. Nick, do you want to go into more depth? Uh, sure. Uh, so as I said in my intro, I work in in environmental consulting or engineering. Uh, in my role, I do a lot of field work and it's also mixed with office work. Um, so field work basically just means, you know, I'm going on site, going out. And in my case, it's uh, oftentimes taking samples, whether that be of groundwater or soil, groundwater using various pumps and <laughs> monitoring wells that were installed. And we, you know, pull out water and then send it to a lab to be uh, tested. So I'm the person doing that. And then when it comes to office work, oftentimes I'll be doing report writing and then also kind of accounting for things in the field when they don't go as planned, which is more often than not. Uh, Linda. Well, I authored a book basically because I have two grandsons and I wanted to kind of give the gift that keeps on giving um, and found that I had always enjoyed creative writing, but um found that uh, I learned a lot and I really liked the feel of um, looking at something that I had created. So I um, am looking forward to continuing on in the same vein. And I would ask you too, Linda, what your background is, because I don't think we brought out that you were retired now family physician. Yes, I'm a retired family physician. And for the last uh, 15 years of my practice, I worked in pediatrics and I also was a partner in a dance studio. So um, that has a big um, kind of influence on, on who I am right now. And um, I'm a mother and grandmother, and that's probably more relevant than anything else. <laughs> sure. uh, so I think to our audience, you can see as we go through these questions where we are coming from, from different points of view uh, and in very different life situations. Mm -hmm. And so I will continue now with Liam with your vast, with your vast interests, I must say. Uh, so please, can you be a little bit elaborate more? Yeah, sure. Um, so currently I'm a software engineering lead at a Toronto-based startup called Lightspace. And what we do is we're building the future of work, pretty much. So um, we're a SaaS or uh, software as a service platform where we're trying to build an application to help boost engagement and collaboration in remote and hybrid work going forward. Um, those are both two big things that have emerged in the past few years from COVID. And a lot of organizations are struggling with their engagement um, and just the need for 
remote and hybrid work um, in their workspaces. Uh, we leverage various AI models for tailored recommendations for each user and uh, use other tools that I cannot say on this, on this podcast. But um, <laughs> in terms of my role, um, I just work with a team of engineers to build the application and bring it to life. Yeah. So, Liam, I would just ask you to explain what hybrid, when yeah. you use the word hybrid, how are you using that? Yeah, for sure. So hybrid means that you work some days in office and then some days at home. Um, and then fully remote would be you meet like you work fully remotely from your house instead of in an office. And most places now want to push um, in office fully. And then most people want to work fully remotely. So like <laughs> in between is is hybrid. And that's what a lot of companies, mm-hmm. especially in the tech industry, have gravitated towards. And the hybrid yeah. a lot of problems. So that's what we're trying to solve. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Uh Luke. Uh yeah, so for as, as for what I do right now, I guess I'm a student. So the majority of what I'm doing right now is going to classes, like working on assignments, working on labs, and then preparing for tests and stuff like that. So yeah, day to day I would say I have a pretty busy schedule. So most days I have work during the night or like when I come home I have homework. So yeah, I have a pretty busy schedule. That's the majority of what I'm doing. I like to, you know, do hobbies on the side as well, uh, as much as I can. But yeah, that's the majority of what I'm doing at the moment. So, Luke, if I could um, say, at one point you said you were surprised at how much of abilities to create the um, the course was asking of you. So yeah. that that you, uh, while you're working as an engineer with very practical applications you have to create different ways that you're going to use your knowledge, especially yeah. as civil and in, in civil engineering. Yeah. I would say for most engineering problems, there'll, there'll be like a bunch of ways that you could solve it, but your goal is to find the most like efficient, the most, you know, most optimized way to solve the problem. And this allows you to, you know, you can create, you can innovate and stuff like that. So, yeah. So even That's, in that, in that course, you're, you're using it even in, even, before you graduate. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the courses like there's pretty much one course every year which you're allowed to pretty much work on an engineering tech project. You get to, you know, design there's different stages and you get to design a whole like for example, um my second year I did a popsicle bridge or popsicle stick bridge. So you create mm-hmm. a bridge and you can decide whatever type of bridge you want. It doesn't matter. They let you it's very open ended. So uh yeah. You get a lot of room to yeah, do whatever you want. And it's pretty, yeah, it's, it's a great course. Great. We'll come back uh, a little later in this to the, um, to, to how you balance your need and your need to be practical. We'll come back to that and go in depth with that more. But for now, um, I want to ask the second question of everyone. Um, what role has curiosity has curiosity played in your life up to now, apart from where you are and including where you are, but how important has your curiosity uh, been in leading you to where you are? Alex? Yes. So curiosity is probably one of the most important things in all of my life decisions. I am almost primarily motivated by curiosity and um, to, to an extent, creativity with how it plays with that. 
I'm always trying to find new things. I'm always trying to think in new ways. Um, so I think like with my education and then also my job now, curiosity has been a huge part. I think I would say my life sort of revolves around that concept. And so you're, you're constantly using it. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Like almost everything I do is motivated by curiosity. Do you know when that started for you? Um, November 26th, 1997, when I was born, probably. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> um, Paul, yes, the uh, same. Curiosity has always been a part of my, my life, too. I think um, for me, it's more around um, how far can my skills take me, in essence. That's where my curiosity tends to lie. I got these skills. And if I was to apply them to their maximum, where can they take me? And what would it look like at the end? So for me, um, that's one of the biggest part of curiosity for me, you know, to just say, okay, I have this job, um, this opportunity to do a lot of um, activities. Mm -hmm. and therefore, if I was to fully apply myself, I really wonder what and how far it can take me, of course, and then the help and, and um, support from various um, people and different methods. But that's where my curiosity lies, you know. If I were to really apply myself and do everything I can do within my powers, I'd be curious as to where my, my, uh, my skills. My so then you were using this throughout the other parts of your career when you were uh, working at a gym, when you were... Uh, doing your own personal training in a special studio. Uh, you were always, was always yes, you always, were, always. you were, you were using your curiosity to um, see how far you could take all of your different options. Is, yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've always been using my curiosity, but um, when you're working for someone else, you're also limited sometimes. Yes. What you can do how far you can go. But when you have the opportunity, and you don't have those restrictions, then the concept of really how far can I go if I just keep on trying to push through and do the things that I think is necessary um, right. yeah. I need to do to guide me to get to that point. And I'm assuming even when I get to that point, I might still be curious. But that's okay. <laughs> Oh, I think you will. <laughs> uh, Nicholas, curiosity. Yeah, so I think curiosity is, a, is definitely a huge part of my life um and i find i am just generally curious about many things whether that be in my field or otherwise um i, I think i'm i constantly try to kind of learn things and explore kind of new ideas um and because uh, there's always things that you can learn or improve on like even in areas that you think you kind of know everything i find you know something will come up and you can learn something new so i think you know having an open mind to that is definitely important and for me it's been very important um and then you know since graduating school as well i've found i've had to approach creativity or curiosity a little bit differently because in school you know i could kind of sit back and allow new things to kind of come to me you know i'm learning about some interesting topic in school or something like that whereas now i find i kind of have to seek it out a little bit more which is not that's interesting <laughs> I, so yeah, it yes, sort of keeps, me, yeah. keeps me going yeah. and continuing to seek out new stuff that I would have potentially learned from school. 
good, Linda? Well, I think because- curiosity is, is I mean, um, for anybody who's trying to create something, it's kind of fundamental. I've always been a people watcher, and um, I find that um, if by watching and looking at things, you, you see how um, things evolve, and um, it uh, gives a different dimension on um, how you're going to run with whatever it is you're seeing. Um, I often watch children, um, and when I'm looking at, and it's always fascinated me, if I'm looking at a group of children who are, by and large, cruel and honest, um, <laughs> there's always one or two who are outside the circle of acceptance. And that is something to me, I, 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 I want to understand why that is. And I want to, it makes me want to reach out and, and say, welcome to the circle. There's room for everybody. I'm just going to say, as we're going through this, I think you might see why I see all of you with um, a certain attitude uh, that is similar. You're all from very different walks of life. But even when we're talking about curiosity, uh, it does seem to maybe help our listeners draw the picture, how important it is and how all of you have used it to get to where you are. Liam, how about the curiosity in your life? For sure, for sure. Um, Yeah, in terms of my life, curiosity played a, a really big role in finding what I love to do. Uh-huh. Um, I studied electrical engineering and computer science, um, but so originally I, I started out in electrical engineering um, in that industry for a few internships, um, and I liked it, but I, I found that it wasn't quite using a lot of the skills that I thought I was best in. So I was always curious if there are other things that I'd be better at, and luckily I found a love for programming um, in my second year of university, and you know from that it, it yeah. brought me to where I am now, where I'm a completely outside of the, the electrical engineering scene. <laughs> I'm a software engineer. Um, in terms of my line of work, um, creativity is a, a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Most days I'm doing a lot of research and optimizing and finding better ways to do things. There's always tools in software engineering that are coming out every day, which can mm-hmm. make your life easier or better. And like, um, if it's like a really good tool, it can automate something completely in your life and save a lot of time. Um, and also being in a very fast-paced startup, it's it's my job to be curious and be ahead of the curve. Or doing the same thing? Are there a lot of other companies competing for that market? Um, like I do do some competitive research right now, but uh-huh. um, like that's in terms of my job. I'm just trying to make our application run as well as possible, and uh-huh. also have certain features that just work better than our competitors. Editors. So there are competitors out there, but there's there's not that many right now. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, Luke? Yeah, I would say curiosity probably plays, well, definitely plays a massive role in my life, at least, and I think most people's lives. Uh, ever since I was a kid, I was very curious. I would always question everything. Um, and I also think it led me to, it definitely led me to engineering, but um, it led me to sort of a passion, I guess, because the things that I was most interested or most curious about, I um, had the most passion for. So that's what led me to engineering. Um, and I think it has a really big correlation with learning. I, I love to learn as well. So curiosity goes hand in hand with that. 
um, outside of engineering, I love to learn new things. I'm very curious about a lot of stuff. So, yeah, I love to, um, I love to be curious, love to learn. Yeah. Okay. So um, I think we can see now that it is a very important part of oh, everyone's life here and um, the ways that you move forward with that and the choices you make uh, are interesting and very different, but they're, um, you know, it's interesting to find out how you do that. Paul? Yeah, I was thinking, though, um, because I think we are curious about um, a lot of things, but I think one of the biggest things of curiosity is that you have to apply action with it, though. Yes. Because we can be curious about a whole bunch of things, but if there's no action behind it, um, I can't see you making too much progress, you know, so... Um, I think that's probably might be one of the difference here is that each one of us, not only were we curious, but we actually apply action behind that curiosity. And as a result, that's where we're at today in our perspective fields. But um, I think curiosity is one thing by itself. And I think loads of action is needed to follow through with that curiosity. I think then I would like you to talk a little bit about um uh, I'm thinking more of your approach and how you, um, w- when you have a problem in your life and you know that it's not going the way you want it, uh, how you approach dealing with that. Because I know your curiosity is kind of the fire under that. And I think if I am right, I'd ask you to comment on this, but you actually use feedback. A lot. You you try things. You sit back. You contemplate. You throw out some ideas, uh, and then you take your feedback. You're cur- curious to see what people will say while you're making a decision. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm curious, but at the same time, I got to be realistic. Yes. So That's- um, if I'm part of a project or run the class or getting feedback from the class. Um, I want that feedback because I need that feedback to help me um, apply the necessary kind of information that the class needs. So even though I'm curious, I still have to open myself to feedback and open myself to the fact that my curiosity might not always be in the right direction. Right. Right. So I might have to pull back sometimes and take a different approach. And for me to take that different approach is for me to get the necessary feedback to come my way for me to take that approach. And I definitely think that listening is a big part of it because um, by listening, it, um, it helps me to really understand the direction that people or the participants in this case would like to go or what they would like to see. So I think listening is very important. So yes, curiosity is great. Applying a whole bunch of action behind it is great. But I think also, um, as you move forward, you need to get that feedback. You need to get that input to help to give you, or even help to help you to focus even more in the direction that you want to go and the direction um, of the group that you're working with. That you're working with. Yeah. Uh, Does anybody else want to speak to that? Uh, Well, I'm just, I, I'm just, thinking, you know, as you retire, you go through life and you're, you're goal oriented, or most of us were in, in my generation, and you go to get to a point where you have a profession or you 
doing whatever it is that you do for your life. And then, then you retire. And then it's like, you go from, you know, being full speed ahead to, okay, now we've got more time on our hands than we've ever had. And so what I find that for me, at the end of the day, I kind of look back and say, did I learn something new today? And that's kind of a goal that I have, um, is that at the end of the day, I want to go to bed um, with something new that I have learned. And it could be something as simple as, you know, something doing something around the house to repair something, doesn't matter. But it's just that stimulation of being curious about something undertaking it and succeeding whatever it is that okay I'm better I'm more informed tonight than I was this morning when I got up so you speak to small steps at a time but never giving up in a way yeah 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 and and, and being and, and realizing get- that it is uh often uh there's just certain steps you have to take I think uh, uh, when you're younger when I was younger I really didn't want to take all those steps. You know, I was always trying to, um, you know, skip whatever I could and just kind of wing it and all that kind of stuff. And then I learned if you want to go to a certain, if you want, you know, that's fine and fun for a certain kind of of, uh, time. But if you really want to have something really uh, excellent, then you have to go through the process. Well, and I mean... nothing stays the same. I mean, things, things either get better, get worse or whatever. And so unless you continue to be stimulating and keeping up with the times as much as you can, and -hmm. learning new things, then um, it's you're not going to um, be as with it, you're going to be less with it. And I think we all want to avoid that as we uh, mature. Right, for sure. Uh, and I think you're you're because you're able to look more deeply at things as you're maturing. You have more experience with, with other people. That comes naturally, actually, uh, you know, uh, to a lot of people. So I, I I think that's interesting for me. I learned a lot about all of you. So I will now, because we're talking about these practical things and and. Um, the artistic side or the the side of you that wants to design different things, I would like you to, uh, I'm going to ask all of you, if you think of yourself as an artistic primarily or a thinker or, uh, or, or, or really as a practical thinker, or are you both? So Alex? Yeah. So I am definitely both um, about 50, 50, uh, yeah. but I'm never, like at never at the same time. So I'm always one or the other, but either like full artistic um, or like full practical. I try to differentiate those just because I find that it's very hard for me to have both those mindsets at the same time. And especially when, with my photography, I'm always leaning towards the artistic side, especially for wildlife photography. Whereas um, because it's a business, I have to use that practical side to actually function. Right. I can't function off of the pure artistic side. So yes. yeah, about 50-50. And do you ever see the time coming when you would put that together? Would you, where they would fuse? Or well, they would, um, no, I, not, I, not I, this I, I purposely, time. I purposely separate them 
because uh-huh. I, I don't want them to when I find that like I, I like I can fuse them but when I do fuse them I tend to compromise both sides of it a little bit Ooh, that's good so yeah I want I mean to, that's not good but it's good to know <laughs> I, I want to keep them as separate so I can be like at a hundred percent in each mindset and then I don't have to worry about um you know the compromise okay uh you know, and I'd be, Paul? I'd be, yeah I'd be interesting to hear what um like Nick have to say in, in Liam because Nick he's also involved in music so like you know it'd be interesting to see how he combines those two because nick you were shaking your head uh when alex was talking sorry i was shaking my head you were nodding you were nodding (laughs) um well yeah i think um well i can well okay um so in my work it's very much so mostly practical thinking and i find that when i am kind of practically thinking it's kind of kind of second nature just kind of what i'm drawn to do because it's kind of like whatever the best outcome like that's kind of what my brain is trying to figure out and that's to me kind of like the practical thing whereas in an artistic way i guess there is no inherent best outcome um because there's many different routes that you can take to get to a point that you are happy with right um whereas practical there's you know there is probably a a a best um, optimization that you can have for whatever it is that you're working on. Um, In terms of music, there is a bit of a mix uh, with practical and um, artistic because the artistic part of me wants to try all these new things and experiment with things, whereas the practical side kind of hones it in and makes it so that, you know, is this song that I'm working on actually palatable to someone or is it like this experimental mess that I've just conjured together. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd say in, in my case, I definitely um, am both. Um, and they do overlap occasionally. Um, when I'm at work, I'd say it's mostly practical. And then when I come home and kind of allow or open myself up to my creative outlets, that's when I kind of um, more so blend the two. And I guess I'd probably lean more so towards the artistic side because I don't want to I don't like to uh, uh, put myself in too much of a box, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, now, Linda, you, you are coming at this from slightly different perspective. Well, yeah, I am. Um, but for me, art and my artistic side probably saved my bacon a lot of the time because being a physician, um you know, things aren't always rosy and a family physician, you are, um, you have integral connections to your patients and you care about these people and you're over the years, you're going through a lot with them. And, uh, for me, without having that artistic balance in my life, I don't know how I would have been able to cope really. Um, so the artistic part, is so much a part of the practical part for me. I I don't think I could separate them. It's quite integral with it. Um, And I think if you look at a lot of people who are physicians, um, a lot of them are into music. A lot of them um, will paint or uh, not so many of us dance, but you know, that it, it, whatever it is that, that, 
allows you to express whatever feelings that you're not free to express because there are issues of confidentiality and things like that. Um, it allows you to maintain a balance. Um, so the, and, and, and in a sense, remain sane um, and try to do a good job. Yes, so you do find then that you you can blend them at the same time. I think medicine's an art, and it was a good place for me to end up because I'm so much a part of both of them. A part of both of them. And at one time, I think you did describe yourself as a hybrid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I'm learning a lot myself from this. Uh, Liam. You have you have different uh, ways of uh, of the uh, of using both sides of yourself, right? So will yeah, you speak yeah. speak to that because um, you talked about the art that you were interested in when you were younger, and uh, now you're you've kind of evolved that into the way you design, as you call yourself, an architect of um, of. Uh, Software is that a proper discussion? Uh, Software architect or a solutions architect. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say like nowadays I'm pretty much a practical thinker in 80% of my life. Um, I'm I'm constantly, I constantly have to use my logical sense in what I do for work. But when I was growing up, I did have a lot of interest in just like drawing and, and doing art in school. So I was, I did have a artistic thinking uh, like back in the day but um now it's it's all dependent on what i do so like based on different tasks i do in work or um, in terms of the sports i play Uh i think it's i I brought this up on a podcast before but golf i know some people would probably think this it's not really a creative sport but i've played my whole life and a lot of times you have to make decisions that are logical but um you also have to make a lot of decisions that are creative. So you're, you're going to be in a different situation every single time um, that you step on a golf course and every single shot. And if you put yourself out of the bounds of you know the normal course, then you're <laughs> going to have to <laughs> adapt to that, like every situation you're in. Um, but yeah, like in terms of my, what I do now, it's I lean towards practical thinking because I'm, I'm forced to do that so much. And coding is pretty much all logic. Yeah. So you're you're still into this, the sports and into golf and into those things that you were originally mm-hmm. very very keen about and very involved with. So, but that's more as a, your escape. It is my escape of just thinking about yeah. numbers all the time and, yeah. <laughs> and, and logic stuff. <laughs> so I can just kind of go out there and play and adapt constantly to like what's thrown at me instead of. Right. Thinking about everything before I do it, I can just yes. like be creative with what happens later on. Yeah. And Luke, you're uh, also because you have had uh, uh, others are talking about drawing and and art, and you had quite a strong interest in those things growing up. Yeah, I would say I would say like definitely when I was a kid, I was obviously very artistic um, minded. And I would say nowadays I'm probably like I would prefer to lean towards artistic, I suppose, but a lot of my like most of my schoolwork is would be practical. And um, you know, a lot of a lot of my life now is like it is uh, a lot of practical skills that I have to use. But um in terms of hobbies and stuff, I love to create like art. I love to 
express myself in the form of art and I love to uh, you know see other people express themselves in, in forms of art such as like movies and paintings mm. drawings stuff like that um, yeah. where they mix I would say um, when I do get room to be creative I do like to be like in my work like for engineering I love to you know create and innovate but uh, it's, there's not much room for that but when there is I do love to bring both sides in as well so, Luke, are you still drawing? Yeah, actually, uh, <laughs> I would say after high school, like for first and second year, I didn't really do a lot of artistic, well, I guess just drawing. But um, like I would say the last uh, three months or four months, I got into drawing again. So like just sketching on like my sketchbook and stuff. And I, I just got a new uh, sketchbook and pencil set for Christmas. So I already started with uh, some of that. Yeah, I love to I love to draw. Oh, that's good. That you're still finding that you can express yourself that way too at yeah. this stage. Well, um, can, can I, I guess you? we pardon. Can I say something? Um, Please. Yeah, I find it curious because um, Liam and Luke and Nick, they use the term now they're growing up. You know, <laughs> it's like, hey guys, they got a lot of growing up to do. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> so you might can change. You might can change. <laughs> And especially um, Nick, because I find Nick's situation quite interesting. I say that because when I was um, also finished university and so forth, I used to dance, right? But I also had a practical job at the same time. So <coughs> back then, of course, I can say a lot of interest was placed in creativity and, art, and arts and et cetera, et cetera, right? But you, I still had to separate the two, right? So once I'm really working, doing my other job, focus on that and once i'm doing the dancing i focus on the dancing but what i found is that as as you grow as i get older you have to make a decision where you want to place your emphasis right and once mm -hmm. you make that decision then your energy is going that particular direction right and um sometimes those decisions are a little bit easier because you know <laughs> sometimes finance could help you determine which direction you want to go right but um i find that um Yes, I still maintain that creativity part of me, but I would say I'm a little bit more practical, much practical now because of the nature of the job I'm doing, right? And because of um, the individuals I'm working with. Yes, I could be creative, but I still have to be practical and make sure that what I put forward, individuals can understand it and won't hurt themselves at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. But the creativity part is there, but the thing is, I would say at one point, it was probably 50-50, but then it's changed over time based on the direction of my focus. So that's why I was um, curious of Nick, because, you know, you sometimes you want to reach out your curiosity. We would like to see how far would that artistic side take you. But then sometimes you have to be um, uh, real and decide, you know, if, if that's not really what you want to do, then you turn around and put your energies in the direction you want to go. Oh, that's some practical advice <laughs> for uh, for you, and uh, I think everybody can you know can benefit from that advice, Paul. Thank you. So now my next question was pretty much on that uh, same uh, idea, and uh, I think we've answered it. It was how do you deal with your need to express both these parts of yourself, and I think. Does anybody want to say anything more about that? Or do you feel you've you've covered it? Well, uh, 
again then um these are all kind of leading on the same thing so if anybody would like to have a conversation in particular with another person here alex would you start this conversation because we're dealing now with the the you know how you're really filling yourself when you have these both sides of your character that how do you know when you're out of balance and um how 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 do you approach it so, and what are the signs that you're out of balance? I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. Could you re- okay. re-elaborate? Yeah. You all have expressed that you have both sides to your nature. And when you get out of balance, I know what you're doing, like all of you, how you're, how you're now using hobbies and, and uh, past um, things that you loved and everything and moving forward because you're... Uh, curious and adventurous, really. Um, but when things, um, I don't know how to put this actually, uh, when it's not working for you, and how do you know that it's not working for you? And what do you do to balance yourself again? So I guess, Alex, just tell us how you know how, what okay. happens inside yourself. This is more of an internal thing. And how do you fix that externally? Um. When it comes to being out of balance uh, from a creative and practical standpoint, I because I need creativity and the the artistic side and the practical side to function in my business and in my art, it's really obvious when I'm out of balance because I basically don't do anything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what happens? What, what happens is I'm either um, 100% practical to the point where like I can't like I'm not doing any art any of my actual photography uh-huh. and I'm just like doing a lot of like planning of things or I'm doing so much photography, but I'm not like editing the photos. I'm not doing anything with those photos, I'm not reaching out to clients. So it just becomes, everything just kind of falls apart. My whole business model <laughs> will just collapse when I'm out of balance. So uh-huh. it's for me, it's like it, I get like punched, basically get punched in the face because I, that- I, because I have to get back to balance or else I'm like out of a job. <laughs> So it's a necessity it's for a nece- you. It's a necessity, yeah. I'm basically forced to do it, forced to yeah. rebalance it. But you you know very well and very quickly then, you know, that things are getting out of balance. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> Paul? Um, when things get out of balance, and that's a good question. Because how, how do you know? How, I think if things begin to get out of balance, it's more so the level of stress. And I've said stress... I mean, there's different types of stress, but the kind of negative stress that um, that really you're not being productive. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. A lot of time thinking about the issue, but you're not being productive about it. You know, mm-hmm. um, so and therefore your energies are being taken away from exactly the um, the job that you need to do. You know, so that's why I like feedback because feedback sometimes can help me get back on track. Um, by just looking at the feedback, getting the feedback. Or, you know, sometimes it's simply just asking someone that you um, rely on, um, you know, this is a particular issue. It's just, it's just um, driving me up a wall. You have any kind of <laughs> feedback that you can give me, any kind of direction that you can give me, you know? <clears throat> so I find when the stress level, because I can say that at one point in time, I changed my job because 
I find the stress level was such that I really wasn't um, focusing on the job that I should be focusing on it in the way I should focus on it. And at that point in time, I realized that the interest in the job wasn't the same anymore. All right. So those were indications, indications for me to, you know, I can stay here and be counterproductive or I can try to move on and try to find, re, re, regroup myself, uh, mm -hmm. look at other interests that I have and mm -hmm. try to move forward in that that different direction you know so i think for me it's the stress level and when i say stress level is again more so being not productive mm -hmm. in the area that i should be productive in thank you um it's very clear that both of you so far have you know the signs you, you've become very familiar with them through your experiences mm -hmm. uh now how did that resonate with you nick um, well, I thought that that what Paul was saying was very accurate in that uh, the, definitely my product productivity, whether it be a practical endeavor or an artistic one, both kind of get put off balance by stress. Um, <laughs> I find if I'm like stressed about work um, related stuff, I find my output when I get home and trying to do artistic things, it just doesn't really it doesn't really work because I my my head is elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um but I also don't necessarily, I guess, I guess it's more so I understand why that is. So I, you know, I allow myself to take that time off of being artistic. Like I don't, I, I, I wouldn't find it beneficial to, you know, hold it over my own head and be like, oh, I've like lost all my creative ability or whatever because of this stress I'm in. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's my answer. <laughs> I have something to add to that um, or say. Uh, for me, this I, I get really, really stressed, but it's the complete opposite. My productivity shoots through the roof. I'm like super product. I'm super productive. I'm super creative. Um, I don't function at all in my rest of my life. But in terms of like my actual artistic side, oh my God, I'm, I'm so good. I'm so good. I'm stressed out. Um, which I thought was kind of interesting that uh, Nick seemed to be kind of the opposite of that. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, um, Shakespeare said, unto thine own self be true. And I find that's kind of what I live by. And I know that it's like if the shoe fits, wear it. If I am in a situation and it, I feel that it's right for me, I go with it. Um, if I'm in a situation where I feel stressed and uncomfortable or just not right, then I take a step back and either get rid of that situation or reevaluate, you know, what direction I'm going to go. So I'm quite visceral. I mean, it, there is, you know, the intellectual part about, you know, this is, uh, I should feel this way or I should think that way, or I know this is correct. But when I put myself in a position or a situation and it doesn't feel right for me, that's my kind of key to choose another option that's and it's very clear to you too how how this unfolds for you and you know yourself well yeah yeah i know yeah. what works and i might know why it i might not know why it works or it doesn't work but i know when something feels right and when it doesn't for me so that's it's become very instinctive for you at yeah. this point yeah liam 
How about the stress, uh, the, um, how you know when you're too stressed out or, or do you have, have you, have you acquired that yet? Or is that yeah. still? Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had a lot of times where I feel a little burnt out with things and, and my work is kind of opposite to like my life outside of work. So when I'm working, it's so much logical thinking all the time. And then when I'm done work, I try to balance it with my artistic side and just try to turn my brain off in some some ways. <laughs> um, and then sometimes I'll catch myself just like talking to people or like within my relationships being too logical. <laughs> like when I'm stressed, I'm just only thinking like that all the time. And it does take a toll sometimes. So that's sometimes like where I catch myself, like something's not working or if I'm overworking or something's wrong. And also over time, like I've, I've always tried to keep up with my fitness over the years. It's something that's really important to me. And when I know, like, I know when something's not right and when I'm like kind of falling off of that. So like, whether it's my eating or my exercising as well, when I'm too stressed, I end up like not doing anything, which is kind of bad <laughs> in some ways. So then I'll, I'll notice yeah. like it falls off. Yeah. And, um, and Luke, um, yeah, I would agree with, uh, sir. Can you just uh, repeat the question one more time, sir? So we're just talking about uh, how do it's when your stress levels get great. Do you know and do you understand and um, are you able to balance yourself better? And what are the indications to you? Um, for me, I would definitely agree with Liam. Like I do go to the gym as well. And yeah, like that does happen. Like if you're feeling stressed and you won't be as into the work you're putting into into the gym um mm -hmm. that's that's a big thing for sure i guess just like the physical feeling like you can feel stress like physically in my in my stomach i feel it yeah, yeah. um yes. but i also yeah i agree that uh i find it hard to express my like artistic side while i'm like very stressed but i also think that um i think that like drawing and um doing artistic things can also help with um like going working through the emotions and pushing past them and then like yeah um being less stressed when you're actually finished with it so yeah. yeah sometimes i like if i if i am stressed i'll uh write like music or i'll draw or um do something to kind of get my mind off as well as like sometimes i guess it depends like sometimes i use it to escape and then sometimes i use it to actually work through it specifically well, that's so, interesting um, that you're working through it as well when you're yeah, doing like that, that you found it as a, yeah. your own therapy and you used to shoot a lot of baskets Oh, yeah. I, did. <laughs> I did yeah, yeah. i mean working out is a big thing for reducing stress as well so i do that as well yeah um is paul i think um you know because i listened to alice and then linda and everyone else but there, there needs to be a level of stress in your life right because i mean we need that level of stress to push us forward a bit you know so stress is not necessarily a bad thing. We do need it. Um, so, but I guess it's important to know when it pushes off balance. I think that's the key because, you know, for some of us, you know, we... we you need like, that little push from it. Some of us, we need that little push. But when the stress, uh -huh. because when the stress gets to a level or the burnout gets to a level where you don't feel balanced, I guess that's the time that you sometimes are forced to make a decision one way or the other, right? Um, you're going to move on, you're going to just keep on, plug away at it, whatever the case might be. But I think it's most of when you begin to feel a little bit not 
balance whatever that might mean to you not quite yourself um, you know it's stressing itself stressing itself it's not necessarily a bad thing because it can produce as alice say you can produce some good work um, i i guess uh, some people say stress um stress is good until it gets to be distress yeah. that that you know there, there's just that level again i guess i think uh people who are interested in moving forward and and uh, working through their own uh, situation and issues do, as all of you have expressed in a way, require some some level of, of pushing uh, yourself, hopefully, uh, even from from wherever it comes and if it's in a good way, if it's a positive way. Does anybody want to share any more on that? Because... Um, but I just want to say it, it does play a big role in helping me, as, as Paul was saying. Like it, If I didn't have any stress about anything, then I, I wouldn't be anywhere <laughs> in my career. <laughs> it does help me a lot, yeah. I'd say most people in the startup world are a little bit stressed all the time just because like we're trying to always do things and get things done. Yeah. There's always a stress of doing the next thing and you know trying to make it, right? But isn't that where, um, I mean, I agree. I think you need a degree of stress or we'd all be sitting around, you know, in the Zen form, not accomplishing anything. But but isn't it all about how you deal with the stress and how you find the balance for that within your life and how you live your life? And for so many of us, I think in this group, we have had very practical um professions or lifestyles and everybody here seems to have um, used their artistic bent to help find a balance for the practical nature in their in their lives yes yes i think that has come out with this Um, i have have something to say yes Um, please (laughs) yeah i think for for me my situation is like um being a kind of an artist like first and foremost as my job and not really having any hobbies um <laughs> kind of makes my like i, I sort of have a, a strange outlook on on a lot of stuff because i use my i use a lot of like self-loathing and negativity in my art whereas i think a lot of people like they use their artistic side to relieve their work stress for me it is the work stress right so i just i, I just thought i'd you know, throw that out there because it's just a little bit different but but Alex, do you cultivate that, or does it just happen? Well, we all cultivate different things by how we approach life. Yeah, no, I mean, I certainly do cultivate a um a negative mindset when it comes to my art. Um, a lot of times, just because it does end up leading me to better results, and it's a very competitive field too, and wildlife photography specifically. I'm always competing against other people, and now that I'm kind of so prolific in what I do specifically, I have this like ongoing stress of people chasing me, basically trying to copy me and and get better shots than, than me. And I, I've kind of this weird expectation I have to meet where I'm yeah, like expected to be like like my nickname is Shorb Jesus, right? I'm expected to be like unstoppable in this like field. And then when I'm not, it's like very disappointing to people and myself. <laughs> Especially yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know what, I I think too, that 
um, I know all of you, and of course, and and I think you all bring a kind of humor to your lives and to your situations that uh, maybe we haven't mentioned. But I know that for me, humor is is an, an imperative. Like I may not be funny when I want to, but at the same time, I certainly appreciate its value and how. Um, it helps the people I see and, you know, uh, when I'm around uh, people, when I'm not particularly feeling like uh, life is funny or anything, I find that a real breakthrough for me. Just, you know, the the period of, of just laughing it off and saying, you know, uh, whatever you say, <laughs> and I won't go there. So. <laughs> well, humor is so important for me. Yeah, for, for yeah. Personally, I, if I couldn't laugh yeah. about things, I don't know where I'd be right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I also think too that um, because we all at uh, different parts in our life, you know, different segments of our life, I think uh, our methods also change um, based on the various experiences that we have been through over the period of time. So. Um, some of the methods I probably would have applied in my 20s, you know, yeah. some of them I'm not applying now. So I think it's also um, you learn to cope with situations as you, I know, go through these situations and you learn from them and you get a little bit more experience. Right. Sometimes you just alter your methods and so forth. So in other words, Nick, Luke, Liam, oh, you guys got a lot of time to change. <laughs> <laughs> Develop all these coping Methods, you know. But yeah, so, you know, it's just that sometimes life experience also um, helps you to um, make and be better at making decisions and be better at coping with certain certain situations that you probably wouldn't have been able to handle too well when you were a little bit younger, you know, so it's just, it's I, just a growing thing too. I've learned with time um, the uh, benefit of reframing things, you know, that whole whole thing about you know the glass is half empty or the glass is half full and when I when something happens now within my life that's upsetting I can I draw myself back and say okay you're looking at it from one way let's reframe it and see if we can't find something positive in it or funny in it or you know allowing um, not to be squelched and kind of feel like, oh, what now? And <laughs> rather than just say, okay, well, the good news is this, but the bad news is that, and let's get on with it. And it does help me a lot in terms of um, just being positive, just embracing what's positive, because no matter what there is, there's usually a, you know, a grain of positivity within it. So I'm going to take from this now that I hope everybody's going to use these skills that we're talking about as we discuss um, two other topics that I, I, I would like to explore. Uh, and one is the effect of AI in your life. Um, and the next one will be uh, your ideas about entrepreneurship. So let's start with the AI question because it is so out there and there's so much talk about it and there's so much so many expectations a lot of people think it'll it'll fizzle a bit other people think that we're going to have to protect ourselves from that forever and uh i'd like to know each 
of you, how you're feeling. So, Alex? Yeah, I think um, AI in the photography world is a very nuanced and complicated topic because it depends on the application. Um, I use AI in editing sometimes to uh, remove noise or sharpen images just to make a little bit nicer end product. It does a fantastic job with that. I also use it with retouching to do skin retouching. It's been revolutionary. It makes the workflow much simpler and easier. So on that side, very, very good. The other side, though, is you have people now posting images, calling it photography. That's really just AI generated. And um, it's becoming less obvious now what's AI and what's not. Just because there's a tendency for a lot of people to over edit their images uh, make them look fake anyways. Mm. Uh, so they, the real images and AI images aren't separated by that much anymore. Um, and I think it's overall not the best for photography. It makes people question a lot of images that are actually like real. And I, um, am a little bit concerned, uh, more so than last time we spoke about this, just because I'm actually, <laughs> actually started to see a lot of photographers quit recently because of ai so i'm 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 worried about i'm worried about some of the art forms being degraded to the point where people don't want to do them anymore Uh, i just had two friends quit wildlife photography because a another quote-unquote photographer was posting a bunch of ai generated images and um, getting a lot of praise for that so yeah it's a it's a it's a moving it's a moving target um yeah. For me, I for me personally, I don't really care because the 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 art of photography is capturing something that actually is real. So you can't really you know get away from that. But it just like the end products. Um, for some people, it's too much and they just have to leave. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's uh, Paul, and you. I know have some things that you want to say. Yeah, I mean. AI is here. It's no doubt it's here. And, um, but for me, it's just a matter of me trying to learn what I need to learn to make it work for the, um, the group and the community that I work with. Fortunately, I'm not that technical, <laughs> um, but I know it's here. I don't use it as much um, because, again, I work with the older, a little bit older groups. So most of the times I find that um, direct communication with them is, seems to be what they're more appreciated. Um, but I know AI is here, and for me, it would be a way of trying to find out um, how best I can use it to help to f- facilitate the, um, the programs and other aspects that I do within, within the um, programs to make it best, not just for me, but for the individuals that participate in the program. So I think it's going to be a learning curve for me. So hopefully I can learn and, and um, gain enough knowledge that it can benefit me and those people that I provide service for. Yeah. Uh, Nick, now AI is a big thing in, in you, you work with it, I understand, do you? I don't work with AI too, oh, too I, much. Oh, I thought that, that you, you were. So what's your feeling on it and how do you think it will affect well, the work that you're doing. In terms of my work, a lot of what I do is dependent on kind of things that are in the real world, um, which aren't very easily measurable 
to a place that an AI would be able to interpret it. Like, for instance, like, you know, each, each site that I'm on or something has, you know, different levels of, you know, groundwater or different terrains and stuff, which sure, Google Earth, you know, tries to provide like an estimate. However, with my line of work, it needs to be a lot more uh, specific and um, accurate. So for AI to really affect my job outside of just being able to write reports and stuff like that, which I, I'm sure pretty quick that that will be AI will be able to do that pretty effectively. Mm -hmm. um, but until there's like literal robots that are controlled by AI that are going to job sites and taking measurements using whatever they have, I don't really see it impacting a lot of things in my field. I do see there are some minor things that are, are but have potential to be changed in the near future. But I think it'll be a little while before there's drastic changes in my industry. And that being said, I also make music and AI also can do that and already is capable of doing that. Um, now that is something I'm kind of on the fence about because on one hand, I'm very you know fascinated by the fact that it is able to produce human seeming um, art in, in such a way that it's almost indiscernible from an actual human. And then mm -hmm. on the other hand, I, I have to feel for artists and even for myself in that it could kind of taint the water and overpopulate kind of any small artist who's trying to come up um, and, and make, make it big themselves because there's just gonna be so much um, kind of, there's just, they, they can kind of infinite, you know, renditions of an infinite songs that it can make. And it just no person yeah. could compete with that. So, yeah, do you find them soulless when you listen to them, or do you really not? Well, because that's one of the things that people feel that 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 human connection think, somehow. And music a, always expressed that before. I, I I agree, and I think there is there is still some room for AI to improve on that front because I think you know even with uh, fo photos and stuff, like you can tell when it's AI most of the time versus a, a person took it because you know. It might even just be the feeling of it that it feels soulless. So you know that, you know, a person couldn't have put that together. <laughs> However, there are certain things that AI does. Um, for instance, recently, I just saw there was an AI made that was that replicated a comedian stand-up special that didn't, oh. it didn't replicate. It created its own stand-up special using AI and basically put his voice over top of it. And I'm, I wasn't a huge fan of this comedian, but... Um, a lot of people say it's very accurate, which is, you know, that, that's just one of those things that I feel like we have a, I have a tendency to say, no, it would never be able to replicate humanity. But based on what I'm seeing, like at, AI, you know, only kind of just started becoming a, a big thing in the way that it is now. And even so, it's able to replicate it close enough to the point where I'm sure plenty of people would literally think it's just the comedian. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I find that a bit scary, but um, <laughs> uh, Linda, I think you have some different ideas too. Well, I, you know, I uh, writing. I, I, I really enjoy the process of creative writing. I really hate the process of editing. And it, you know, if AI could help me through that, um, that would be wonderful. 
having said that, I, I agree. I find the whole idea of not having the human um, behind whatever is being produced, I, I find that cold. And, you know, I think I don't know whether I would have enough knowledge or feeling to recognize, you know, one photograph from another, but I kind of think I would. You get a feeling with it. Um, and uh, for the first time, I mean, this is only my second book that I've written, but um, I know that uh, three years ago, they did not ask me um, when you're doing your um, editing documents, whether or not um, I would accept an AI image in my book. That's completely different. Whereas, as opposed to having an actual illustrator do it. And so I kind of, I was remembering what Alex had said about, you know, it makes things so much easier and quicker and, you know, what used to take three hours can now be done in a minute and a half. But at the end of the day, when I was sitting thinking about it, I just thought, you know what? No, I, I want my illustrator to do this. Um, and so I think, you know, I think we have to learn to live with it. I think we have to take the best of what it has to offer. But I, I would hate to see um, the personal and the artist and the artists um, it that taken away from um, their work. And now, Liam. Thank you, Linda. Uh, Liam, I must say that I've heard you say good things about AI. And then another time, if I may say that you had said that you would like to eventually end up the CEO of a company that had the ability to somehow police, I, I, I'm not sure you didn't use that word, but to regulate somewhat so that the really um, uh, negative side of AI wouldn't be more powerful than the positive side of it. Does that resonate with you? Or do... I'm not sure if I've talked about that before. <laughs> no, I think you did, but then it does. It it was probably not remembered. Um, but so I think I will more it's just ask... like that. Um, like I, I do think that there needs to be like intervention in the industry um, regulating AI. Like I do agree with regulating AI because. It is powerful, and um, what a lot of the tools can do these days is is pretty incredible in terms of like the software world. Um, yeah, like I guess sort of everyone here. Like I've worked with AI a lot over the past couple of years. Um, I work with a lot of the models directly as well, and um, I get experience what they do pretty much every day. Um, in terms of software engineering, I think that it's not going to just wipe the industry completely, but I do think it's going to remove the need for uh, more junior engineers in the field. Um, in terms of coding, AI can like, if, if you have a senior engineer who knows what to ask it and knows exactly what a design is or give it gives it instructions to do something, you can replace most junior engineers um, or just like simple programmers. But I think, I think in the future, what's, the whole industry is going to change where you're going to have to adapt to just know how to use tools, like what tool to use for what. And in terms of like the tech industry as, as a whole, it, 
it's going to make everything faster and, and all of innovation like go a, a lot faster in the future like I, I think that like in the next 10 years it's going to look completely different in terms of what can be built what can be automated um and it does scare me with with some industries that it can take away simple arithmetic and, and math um but i think people just have to know how to like use them not just be afraid of to use them and not want to use them because if, if you don't want to use a tool then someone's going to use it and they're going to like automate what you do a lot faster that's just my point of view on the whole thing yeah thanks luke i saw you kind of shaking your head because um i don't know if you meant to but uh you are <laughs> but I'm what I because I'm thinking it because of you being civil engineer and you're using that um uh you, you see that as very creative and that you don't see AI taking over and that your ability to make it attractive to your clients or whoever um would 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 trump that so uh could you speak I to that yeah, I agree with with Nick's point on that. Where, um, I yeah, like until they get to the point of like actually building like robots and like having like fully, um, like right now, I would say like it's not even close to the like. I, I guess it depends how fast it, it expands. But as for right now, like it's it wouldn't even be able to solve basic um like engineering problems. Like if you plugged it into like a, like a random problem like that, I would get for example into ChatGPT. Like it wouldn't. It would just like have gibberish pretty much. Like it. I don't know. I guess it would it would kind of need to like learn for itself, which is another thing that I've been hearing about lately. Like instead of just reading from like a bunch of like a database, it'll actually like come up with its own ways of thinking and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I I I, I think so. Like engineering is um, one of the later jobs to go from AI. I would say for sure. Um, now I'm surprised to hear that. I thought that it would be a bigger influence. So it's good from my point of view. It's good to know that. Um, yeah, can I just jump in here? Yeah, I would say that um, it depends which models you're using, and, and uh, I would say like GPT four is a lot better than GPT three point five. Any of those models, and I think in the next five years, once there's something like GPT ten or like the Facebook's Llama, like when there's that point of intelligence, it is going to like replace a lot of things in like the software data industry not more like where like you're doing physical labor or like you're doing physical mm -hmm. things but in terms of solving problems with like if you're giving it proper instructions it can solve pretty much anything but it, it depends how you prompt it so i've had a lot of experience with like even if your prompt is a little off right now it'll spit out a bad bad answer sometimes and you'll have to keep um inquiring about how it can change especially with coding, but like that's going to be a whole industry by itself, like learning how, like what to ask it, how to ask it to create like very, very accurate responses. Um, oh, there's a lot of rain. A lot of people haven't used it enough to, to realize like okay. what you can do with it. And a lot of like tools that you use it on the side as well um, to automate a lot of things. This is coming from a software engineering <laughs> point of view though. <laughs> well, it's very important. I only have two more questions. Sorry, I, I, have, I have something to um, <laughs> something to add. Um, yeah, I, I think when I I do 
feel like there's definitely a gap with um, what for people who who actively use AI in what they do versus people who are kind of inquiring a bit or or more loosely um, using it because like it's not it's not really a um, it's not a miracle worker right uh, mm-hmm. right now um and okay like for like my photography for example when I'm using AI um, for my noise reduction retouching stuff like that one of the issues that I run into with it is that all the images that are being fed to it fed to the the AI model are kind of bad images so what happens is you end up okay well we'll take my uh, denoise software for example it might do noise software it's taking hundreds uh hundreds of thousands of images or millions of images and it's trying to restruct recreate the details in the image before and after the noise reduction right so an image is grainy and you have loss of detail in there you add the ai noise reduction software it will create new details to fill in there the issue is that when you have the bad images that are being used for the thing it creates details that don't not not really accurate or the, the details themselves are riddled with uh, problems and that's a problem with like um some of the other ai models too is just that the information's not very reliable yeah um and i think liam kind of touched on that with the importance of like being able to prompt it really well yeah it's uh it's a good point to make um and, and i'm going i got a Paul? question um because yeah. liam, liam is the expert here you know so <laughs> you might be able to throw some light on. I think for me, as I said, I'm open to learning. I know AI is here and it's um, it's happening. I know it's happening in the fitness field. But um, you know, Liam, you work out and other people work out. How do you see um, AI impacting IE, the fitness field, the gyms, and so forth? I'd say the fitness field is one where it like it would affect the least. Because it's all up to like the person themselves just showing up and doing physical things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There can't be any like I, I can't really. But what about the machines themselves and those kind of stuff? Would they be mm. still the same, or would it be more computerized? More, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I haven't really given that much thought into that, but okay. I, I could think of like if there are compound machines in the future which can tailor like their settings based on like what a user needs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I could see that in the future, but I think that's pretty far down the line. And I think like AI is just really booming in um, the tech world and also just um, any job that involves simple math and calculation. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you're saying I don't need to worry right now as to what you're saying? I don't think so, no. I think I think that's like <laughs> one of the things where you like building personal relationships and just like, Encouraging people that's to just true. go to the gym and show up is like that's like the most important part. I that's think true. I think that's like the safest option right now. <laughs> well, that's good news, Paul. <laughs> uh, so I, um, I I'm really learning a lot from this because sometimes it's coming out to be quite different than I expected. I'm going to go now into. Um, Another area that I really want all of you to um, answer uh, before we um, run out of time. Um, And the question is, what do you value yourself um, that you would like to have the opportunity to to share 
uh, with your profession, your clients, or your audience of any kind. Um, I know that uh, the the people we started, uh, our, our original group of people, Linda, Paul, and Alex, have all experienced this and created something. But as the three of you, um, Nick, Liam, and Alex, I'm thinking what has appeared to you at your stage to be of such importance and of such interest to you that you would like to have an opportunity in the future, near or far future, uh, to, to share? Or what would you like to put out there from yourself? I'm going to start with Nick. Are you able to kind of reframe the question a little bit? Sorry. Yes. What is it? it? This can be in your personal life or in your professional life or whatever, but it's what within you have you valued or do you still value that you would like to share with your profession, your clients, or your audience as an artist? Um, does that um, make it clarify? Can yeah, I- yeah, I think I, I think I understand. I think my mo- the thing that in this context that I would most value kind of is my perspective. Um, I feel like that has value to uh, my profession. And I mean, I don't have clients right now, um, maybe to them if that ever happens. Or <laughs> I don't necessarily have an audience either, but that might be more something in my realm. Um, but I think in my profession, my perspective can kind of be unique because of the way that I um, like approach problems. I find it's different sometimes than other people and especially people who have been kind of doing the same thing for a number of years. Um, I find that I'm very open to new ideas and, and I guess like experimental stuff, um, which, you know, a traditional person, I mean, even, even in the context of AI, um, say, you know, you can kind of picture the, you know, kind of grumpy older guy working um, at your, you know, you're higher up at your company or whatever. And he's very closed off to the idea of AI because everything, you know, needs to be done right by a human's hand or whatever. Um, Whereas I would be more in the realm of um, being more open to any idea in that case. Um, And then artistically, I guess, um, my perspective again, because I guess, you know, I feel like I'm my own person who has my own perspective on things and whether that be through you know music itself or some other medium or you know lyricism or something you know just getting my thoughts out to an audience I think would at least have some sort of value just as anybody else's thoughts would. So you are um, advocating uh, because this is the way you feel that you need to be adaptive and flexible and listen to other people's um ideas so that so that you can learn i i guess i mean my example might not have been the best using ai because that is kind of a more nuanced topic um but yeah like just i find a lot of people do get closed off um to new ideas um and yeah i think being open to them is always a good thing you know it doesn't have to be you know a, a good idea to meet a bottom line or something you know it could be an idea that makes life better for all the employees at the company or something like that, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to come back to um, everybody too, but I, I just wanted to go with you, 
uh, Liam and Luke first. So Liam, what is it that you value yourself and that you would like to share with with your profession, your clients, your friends, whatever? I think uh, recently I've, I've had one value that really sticks out to me and has helped me through a lot of things, um, which is discipline. Um, I think in a lot of aspects of my life, uh, whether working out, um, doing programming, my spare time, doing work, in order for everything to run smoothly, I just have to be disciplined in everything or else like it kind of all falls apart. And I can't rely on motivation all the time because motivation to me, it comes and goes. Um, you just have to be disciplined with what you do. Like you just have to show up. Like you're going to feel bad some days. Uh-huh. You're going to not going to want to do things sometimes in life. But um, for me, it's like, even if I don't want to do it, like sometimes I'll, like, I'll, I'll still do it. Like I'm and it's going to get, I'm going to get the thing done and I'm going to show up in life. And then one of the, the greatest things that was ever told to me was the secret in life is showing up, which is like, it relates to this, this um, idea of discipline. Like you, sometimes you just, it's going to suck, but you just have to get things done. Especially if people are relying you on you or like clients, you have clients that, um, you know, if, if you're, if you have a product that you need to get out as soon as possible, sometimes you don't want to work that extra hour, but you're just going to have to do it, get it done. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's just it for me. Uh, and before we go to Paul and Linda and Alex, Luke, what is what is the thing that you that you value most that you would like to share with again your audience, whatever that might be, your profession, your your clients, your friends? Probably, I would say um, probably just a commitment to like just keep evolving and keep learning and, and adapting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a big thing. Like the world is obviously constantly changing, so. Uh, being open to new ideas and technologies and stuff like that like that goes with uh what nick said as well mm-hmm. yeah i think um I think are you disciplined one of my, am i disciplined at the moment i would say <laughs> mostly yeah but yeah I, of course i do have moments where you know i could definitely be more disciplined but that's obviously like something that i got to constantly evolve and work towards getting a better discipline as well but yeah, yeah. i would just say working towards goals setting goals and always having something to work on uh, or evolve that or be better at stuff like that that always keeps me going and it allows me to stay disciplined as well yeah and i would say that's those are my main thoughts yes yes they're all helpful i think for anybody moving forward or uh finding themselves in any situation alex do you want to speak to that yeah um in my field of photography i'm kind of considered to be an expert uh, with a lot of knowledge in a, a lot of technique and the technical side of photography and also the kind of practical application in the artistic side of those techniques. So a lot of people find value in me with my knowledge in that. Um, I, I, I'm speaking to what other people find value in me because I, I, it's hard for me to reflect on what I feel that I offer because, you know, it's like the self, there's like the, the imposter syndrome comes into play with um with that with me especially with with this stuff um so i do know that a lot of other photographers use my work as an inspiration for them i know i have a lot of people kind of chasing my photos especially of shorebirds so i i obviously have value within the um profession and my audience um with my clients i help them learn how to do photography so i 
I mean, I hope, I mean, obviously they have some value there um, because they keep coming back. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard question for me to, for me to reflect yeah, on. Because part of it is what do you feel inside? And then how have you expressed that outside, which you have a track record now. So um, you, you felt you, you like to see people learn. Yeah. I, te- I, I very you, much enjoy proving yourself as um, a teacher. Yeah, I, 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 I would have answered this question differently um, a few years ago, but yeah, with my track record now, I have, uh, I don't kind of like it. Kind of speaks for itself, I guess. Yeah, and Paul. <laughs> yes, um, I would say, um, especially at this point in time in my life, and at this point in time in the group that I work with, mm-hmm. that value value your fitness and health. Um, I think it's very important that we really um, pay more and more attention to our fitness and health and not to put it off, like really value it today. Um, because there's a difference when you're in your 20s, there's a difference when you're 30s, you know, because you always see that you have a lot more time ahead of you, you know, to, um, if you make mistakes, you can correct them because you've got a lot more time. So for me, it's more so saying value your health um really pay close attention to it because it's important and it helps you with that independence that you want to maintain as you mm-hmm. are as we get a little bit older you know so and don't put it off because you know sometimes we like to say we're going to start next year next week but i think if you value it right now you would see the results next year and you would see the results next week so for me, value of your health is very important. And that's where also where the discipline comes in because it's very easy to put things off um, for the following day or the following week. So, yeah, just continue to focus and maintain and pay close attention to your health because it's what is going to continue to keep you moving forward. Linda, do you want to follow up on that? I, I agree with a lot of what's been said by everybody. Um, my own take on it would be don't settle, um, keep learning, keep trying to, um, you know, move forward with an open mind, um, and, uh, just don't get to the point where you say that's all there is. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, you know, um, sit the rest of this out. I think, as soon as you stop being stimulated and trying to um, keep up with what's going on in the world and trying to learn new things every day, uh, I think that's what keeps you alive and gives a quality uh, to life that is uh, so very um, important. That's all, I think, such good advice. So, so I'm going to... Can, yes. Can, we, can I ask you what would you how would you answer that same question? Oh, <laughs> well, my um, hmm, Paul, um, I I value the the ability to communicate, and that runs all through a lot of uh, the things that I've done, and uh, to share with a uh, the ability. To, to communicate and draw people together that I've um, and what may maybe be like a bridge between different different people because that has 
allowed me in my life to um, have, you know, to, to just grow in so many different ways wherever wherever I am. And when I look at this group, like I I, I find that it's it's really a privilege to be able to do this with interesting people. And uh, I just find it really interesting and fun. And um, I uh, uh, I like to bring that. I like to bring that to people outside of the group as well, both from within and and to a, a larger audience. Because I think everybody has a chance to share like this, and it can only be a benefit at least to people who find themselves interested in the same things. So that's how I would answer it at the moment, Paul. It may be different next time. <laughs> but anyway, I think that um, thank you for asking me. Um, I, I will go on to the next one. This is the, I'm going to leave some of the things that I was thinking about for another time, but in one sort of quick answer, I want as we've talked about AI, and we're going to be following up later in this series with things about the world of entrepreneurship. And I just want to ask all of you, because now Alex, Linda, Paul are all entrepreneurs at the moment. Uh, different things in their lives brought them to this point. But it's, uh, I, I would like to mention that Alex and Paul um, are, are they're, they're providing themselves with their income. They've been able to create an income uh, and uh, work through their entrepreneurship. Paul's raised his family. Uh, he's just recently, uh, his girls became independent, but uh, so he's had the ability over the years to, um, to actually earn his living. And Alex is in the process and uh, learning and earning an income. Uh, Linda, now who has retired from one profession, is now uh, an entrepreneur herself. Uh, so I just want to know, uh, does this appeal still to all of you that are involved in it and um or do you prefer to work for someone else and just express the other side of yourself in a different way and uh i'm just like you to briefly tell us about that i think i will start with you alex because it's gonna be something everybody wants to think about yeah um it's a grind i have to say it's a <laughs> it's a grind and it's um i I'm like, I'm conflicted. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little bit conflicted because in so many ways it's freeing and exciting. And, um, I can do so much more. I have so much more potential. On the other hand, it's so much more work and there's a lot of elements to running one's own business that are really like, I'm personally really, really bad at, or, or I really, really hate doing and if I was working for someone else, I wouldn't have to worry about that. At the same time, because I'm an artist, if I was working for someone else, I'd have like a very, I would have much less freedom on what I can actually do for my art. And like, even when working for clients, I, I already feel like a little bit of that pressure to get what they want instead of what I want. Um, and it would just be magnified a lot if I wasn't an entrepreneur. So it, yeah, it does still appeal to me. And in the long run, it's something that I think I have to do. But it's definitely not without its downsides. Thank you. 
Paul. Yes, I mean, uh, I agree with Alex. Um, um, I mean, when you become an entrepreneur, especially if you're doing it by yourself, it's a lot more work involved. It definitely um, becomes more challenging, and there's a lot, a lot of different parts, a lot of different segments of the um, the whole business that you need to learn. Um, and for some of us, might be good at business, and others might not. I'm not that strong in that particular area, so it's a big learning curve for me. Um, but I do, and I'm glad that I've taken the opportunity to go in that direction. Um, it's challenging, but like Liam, Liam said earlier, you really got to be disciplined, though. Um, you got to be disciplined. Um, it's not so much about motivation. You know it have to be done, so you just have to wake up and do it, you know. Um, sometimes you make some mistakes, but that's also part of the, the learning curve that you're going to make some mistakes. But at present, I like the direction I'm going. I'm glad I've taken the opportunity to pursue it this way. Um, but of course, I still have a lot of learning to do. And I'm open up. I'm open to the learning. Oh, you are pleased and successful in being able to really make your living and enjoy it it too i hope uh, well, I, I hope so because um <laughs> i mean it, it is a challenge you know so every yeah. day is a challenge um and you, you know you like to get to that point where you figure that you have accomplished um a great deal yes you can probably at least relax a little <laughs> but i don't think i'm at that point so <laughs> still still ways to constantly go push through constantly be disciplined constantly be moving forward but yeah. at the same time i'm enjoying the journey so you know i'm okay with it as well yeah, yeah. nick does that say to you how about you um well as someone who's not an entrepreneur <laughs> um i do the the idea of not having someone that i have to report to does sound very enticing it sounds very nice um and yeah, like I, I, I like like what what Alex was saying. Like there is that pressure to you know meet someone else's standard, which you know at times can be a little bit frustrating, or or, or sometimes you know you'll have trouble understanding why people are um, why people have certain standards, right? That you think you can do it better, or you can do it differently, whatever. Um, so I like that entrepreneurship allows you to explore that option and you can you can do kind of what you want um to an extent obviously there are you can't like you know run your business into the ground because that obviously isn't going to do anyone any favors um so yeah i i and i do appreciate the amount of work that would go into that um that's why i think at this point in my life i think i'm more or less content you know uh reporting to somebody because i don't necessarily have that um understanding of really any topic any marketable topic really that i um would be able to dedicate that amount of work and to take on that risk of taking that on as my you know um source of income um right now it's a lot safer i guess um to not be an entrepreneur however you know <laughs> if the opportunity were to present itself and you know i had the all the necessary, you know, funding and motivation, I would, I think I, you know, I would definitely want to, you know, be a business owner, you know. Thanks, Nick. Um, Linda, 
Well, I'm I'm very, very lucky um, that I am able to embrace the ability to do something that I really love to do and not have to worry about putting bread on the table. I will say that um, through my professional life, when we when I first started uh, family practice, I absolutely did not want to have a salary. I wanted to, you know, run my own business. I didn't want anybody saying what I had to do or that. And that was a tremendous freedom. But once again, I was young. As the decades passed, (laughs) by the end of it, I was kind of saying, just give me a salary and let me go home at the end of the day so that I'm not, you know, doing paperwork and so on and so forth. So I think um, bottom line is that um, to be able to, to be an entrepreneur is wonderful if you have funding. It's wonderful if you're young and enthusiastic. Um, as things become more complex and, and you get more tired, then you transition more into something that is um, safer before, um, you know, calling it quits and, and retiring. So I'm the lucky one. Oh, and that's good news. Um, Liam, the entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely, uh, it's it's definitely um, a big part of my life now working at a startup for the last two years. And I work very, very closely with the two founders at my company. So I get to see it every day of, you know, the struggles, but also the fun parts of trying to build Mm -hmm. something that can really help people. Um, and I, I do think that um, sometime down the line, when I learn enough and I gain enough experience, I would like to build my own business as well, um, maybe make my own startup. But that's all dependent on, you know, funding <laughs> and also just like having a consistent job until then. So um, right now, like I really like where I'm at. Um, I'm Liam, I, I want to interject and just say yeah. that uh, you are part of a team. You're collaborating with a, a, a group of people. Uh, so you're in a situation that's a little bit different from the others who are solo uh, entrepreneurs. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and that makes like a big difference to you. You you like yeah. the group. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I like um, like working with the two founders and just like always just throwing around ideas um, hoping that like certain features or, or certain things will solve the issues that are, that our clients come to us with. Um, and just like, it's, it's very, just, it, it's exciting trying to build something that could, like, as I said, like help people. And I do yeah. like the camaraderie of it, um, working in a startup. Mm-hmm. But uh, then again, I, I do have my own interests on the side that I, I do. That's why I do think that in the future I will, try to do a startup myself um although i'll do it with um a co-founder as well you you do it together mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you like like that um and luke what do you think of the entrepreneurship um, options i'm definitely open to the idea of like potentially maybe at some point in the far i guess maybe like 10 years future um but as of right now i definitely want to i think i want to become a professional engineer first before like considering anything like that all um, right. which will so, take about like four years to do that so i will have a lot of time to if i wanted to come up with an idea i could um i do have a lot of time to think to, to but, consider um, as of right now uh 
nothing nothing in the works obviously right now but um I do think that if I did do it it would probably be more similar to Liam like I would I wouldn't know much about like business and stuff I would have to be like pretty much like an engineer working on it as an engineer and then I'll have someone handle like most of like the business and marketing mm -hmm. I think that that's how I would probably do it but I mean who knows at the end of the day yeah yeah but it, it's it's an option for you you could own a company mm -hmm. as an engineer and then hire the rest of the people that right. were well uh I think that's an interesting take on this you know um and I appreciate everything that's been said so at this point I would love to go on for much longer but I think our time is up and I'm just going to um c conclude and I want to thank all of you so much I I I've learned so much from this discussion that I have grown even more curious than when we began, which I think must be a good I must be a good thing. Um, and I look forward uh, to delving deeper into these exciting and provocative topics as 2024 unfolds. And so I would like to invite all of our listeners and everyone here. Uh, to join us when we will be furthering this discussion with a, a different guest, uh, Jessica Craig, um, and it will be airing in February. We don't have the date, but we will be publishing it. We'll, at the same time, we'll be publishing all podcast information from 2023 and 2024, and it can be found on my website, uh, that is littlepinetreestudio.com, L-I-T-T-L-E-P-I-N-E-T-R-E-E-S-T-U-D-I-O.com. So, and while you are there, I invite you to browse through my gallery of fine art photographs and more. So I hope that you have enjoyed this with us, especially interesting, and I thank you very much. Thank you, Alex, Paul, Thank you. Nick, Linda, Liam, and Luke. Very much. Having, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. It, great. It, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank yeah. you very much. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you all. Is there anybody who wants to leave any information or uh, add anything to this? Okay. Well, again, I know it's taken quite a while, and I've for your discipline. <laughs> Thanks a lot, everyone. Good Thank night. Thank you. Good night, all. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.